music team for a, a great time of worship and song, and Brian for prayer, and for those of you that have prayed and, um, and have participated already. We are a church that is about participation, and so I want to continue that here in just a minute. But, you know, we came out of this I Am series. We, we started that back in October, and it took us through the holidays, and, and then we thought we would spend the first couple of Sundays really in 2022 talking about the church. And the reason is because with everything that's going on in the world, guys, a scared world needs a fearless church. Like, we need to know who we are, what we're about, and why we do what we do. And so Jeff did a great job talking about the mission of Cross Train last week, but he taught, he taught it out of God's word, Colossians. We're not here to, to promote Cross Train. We're here to promote Christ. And so um, he did, if you did not get a chance to hear that message last week for whatever reason, I really want to encourage you. Go to our website on the messages page of our website, or you can go to um, Apple Podcasts or to Spotify and listen to it there. But it is an excellent message about the mission that we are on, which is the mission Christ has called us to. And today we're going to kind of continue that. But before I jump into um, what the strategies of cross-train are, I want to ask you guys a question. What kinds of things are you excited to talk to other people about? It's your first talking points question. Those are on the back of the sheet that we give you, the, uh, the training worksheet that, that gives you a place to, to write notes. On the back, there's a talking points question. Well, the first one was, what, are, what kinds of things are you excited to talk to other people about and why? Now, I'm just going to take Jesus off the table for now because I don't want the church answer. I want the real answer. Like, what are you really excited to talk to people about and why? I'm asking. Ministry. Okay, that's, that's just another way to say Jesus, Mo. Nice try. Um, keep going. Saved my life more than once. Saved you, how, how your life has been saved more than once. But we're still talking about God. Let's get real. I like to talk about homeschooling. Homeschooling. Okay, I like to talk about homeschooling. Good. What else? Guitars. What? Bond. Bond. What are we like? To the, 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 like to, yeah, like seriously. Bonsai trees. Coffee. Coffee. Yeah, if you, if you know Michael, you know he is serious about that. Um, John, was that you? You're pointing him out? Food. We got a lot of foodies here. Fer, Farron in the back is a huge foodie. So, um, cookies. Your wife. See, that's, that's yeah, man, you're really good at this, Mark. Like, that's at least like. That's like at least the third time recently you've done the whole, I get points for like bringing up my wife during this like all talk thing. But um, so well done. Well done. I could learn. I could learn from you. That was a great answer. Actually, it was a great answer. So, so why though, guys, why is, why are we eager to talk to people about all kinds of things like that? It's easy. It's non, non-confrontational. Self, like it's something we are, it's something we like. And so we're like, well, if we like it, then everybody ought to like it, right? Right? It's fun. Because here, like, I'll, I mean, here's the, here's the thing. So ironically, we're a church that has moved into this building in August, and we, and we changed the name of our church in July, I guess it was, to Cross Train. And right across the parking lot, as you guys know, is a CrossFit. And I will tell you that those fanatics over there probably talk more about their CrossFit box, that's what they call it, than we talk about cross-trained church. 
And that ought not be so. But there are real reasons why that is so. And so it's, it's more comfortable. It's more, but but what, here's, the, here's the reality. We will talk about the things that we are passionate about. We just will. And so if we're not talking about Jesus, if we, if we work that logic backwards, if we're not talking about Jesus much, then it might be because we're not that passionate about Jesus. Right? And so what we want to try to do today is talk a little bit about the strategy of cross-train. But guys, again, this is not about promoting cross-train church or some 100, 200, 300 level thing or what we do for our training program. We have information on our website on there about that or out on the information table. You can grab that. This is really about what is the strategy God has for us. Right? And so what, the question I'm asking today is just that. What is cross-train's, what is cross-train's strategy for fulfilling the mission Christ calls us to. And we're going to be looking at, if you, if you did your daily reading like you should have today, and what you just heard Haley read, Deuteronomy 6. And we're going to look at Deuteronomy 6, and we're going to see how Moses tells us all the way back 1,500 years roughly before Christ even came, what the mission of God's people was meant to be about. So if you would, open up your Bibles to Deuteronomy. It's the fifth book of your Bible, so it's in your Old Testament. Um, so you go Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, chapter 6. And what he is going to show us is that here's the, our strategy. As God's people, here's what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be all in with God. We're supposed to be sharing God's word with God's, because, because God loves the world. And we're supposed to gather to be reminded of that fact. And that's what, and that's what Moses is going to show us here in Deuteronomy 6. That we're all in, that we share his word with the world because he loves the world, and we gather to be reminded. So let's pick it up in chapter 6, verse 1, our first point, and we're going to move hopefully fairly quickly because I'm excited to get to our leadership install um, here at the second part of our time together. So it says, um, the greatest commandment is what my pericope, my little break there right at the beginning of chapter 6 says in my ESV. And it says this in verse, chapter 6 of verse 1, we are all in with God. Now this is the commandment, the statute, and the rules. That the Lord your God commanded me to teach you and that you may do them in the land in which you are going over to possess it. So he's right off, right out of the chute, Moses is saying, I'm, I've been given by God this to teach you so you'll do it. It's not a suggestion. It's a command. So what's the command? Verse 2, that you will fear the Lord your God, your, and you, you and your son and your son's sons, by keeping, so, and here's how. So the command is fear God. Here's how. Keeping all of his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear, therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the, as the as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, guys, so ultimately what he's saying is, if to be all in with God, you keep his commands all the time. How are we doing? Well, no better than them. No worse, honestly, but no better. But what we know as Christians is that Christ kept them all. So we don't have to. But the principle still applies. Guys, the principle that God has had for his people since he called Abraham was there, is, there are no halvesies. There's no one foot, and one, one foot in and one foot out in the kingdom of God. If you are called by Christ and you call Christ your king, you are all in. Amen. 
That's the truth. Now, do we all, as, as Brian did a great job of, I mean, I just, and he could not have set it up better in prayer and what you guys prayed. and the, I mean, just the whole, I love how the Holy Spirit just, as we get out of the way during this couple hours that we gather, he just makes the mess glorious. And, and so it, we all know we don't do it perfectly. That's where we have to back up and remember the cross and Jesus. But then we also have to go, but let's, as we talked about and prayed about already this morning, how are we evaluating our lives to see how okay we've gotten with being half in or even less than half in, right? It's, it's, it's not a matter, so this is not a matter of performance, right? This is a matter of what is your motivation, right? It's, if, if, you're not, if you're not living all in for Christ, welcome to the club. But if you're okay with not living all in for Christ, that's the problem, does that make sense? Okay, How, now wait a minute, you say, but wait, that, that sounds like an Old Testament thing, right? Grace is free and, and salvation is free in Christ and Christ didn't make any commands of people. People who say that don't know Jesus. They just don't. I mean, you, can't, you cannot say Christ does not command us. John Piper, when he was at, doing his PhD work in Cambridge, or I don't know, one of those bridges over there, and he's in his study and, he's, and he said, I'm just gonna read through the Gospels, and I'm going to write down every imperative, every command that comes out of Jesus' mouth in the Gospels. He got to 500 commands and stopped and went, what do I do with this mess? And he wrote a book called, What Does Jesus Demand of the World? Right? This is not, guys, th just think about this for a second. I mean, think about Matthew 22. When, when, when the Pharisees are trying to trap Jesus and say, so what is the greatest law since we can't keep them all? What does he say? Love the Lord. He, he's quoting this, what we're going to get to in just a minute. He's quoting Deuteronomy 6. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. Love your neighbor as yourself. These are the great suggestions. No. These are the great commandments. When he calls his disciples, you're going to read about this in your daily readings. If you don't know what those are, I was going to say shame on you, but there's no shame in the body of Christ. But in your bulletin, there's, there's the daily readings. One of the daily readings is out of Luke chapter 5. When Jesus calls his disciples, they all are pretty clueless. It takes a, it's a season of time. He doesn't just like put some sort of Yoda like force thing, come follow me. And they do. It's not like that. It's a series, it's a series of events that happen in their lives. But in the end, it says, and they left everything and followed him why because that's what it takes to follow christ we saw in the reading in the calling passage that brian read for us the, the rich young ruler who was unwilling to leave everything and follow him it's the reason we had it as a calling passage those things connect we don't just throw things up there just to have somebody read the bible turn if you would keep your finger here because I, I just have to take the time to do this look at luke chapter 9 Turn, if you would, to your, so your New Testament. You're going to go all the way to, so past all your Old Testament, you're going to go to Luke chapter 9. Because I, I, want, I want you to, guys, if we don't get this, if we don't get, the, the, here's the this. Jesus demands that we be all in. He knows we can't be. He died on a cross because we're not, but he doesn't, he, he still commands it. Jesus does. Not God the Father, not the Old Testament like crazy uncle God that somehow, well, that's all different now. We don't, guys, it's the same God, same message. 
Jesus is pulling this thing forward over and over and over again. And we're going to see that as we keep going in this passage. But, but look at Luke chapter 9 and starting in verse 57. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus is like, really? Are you sure? This is not about prosperity now, brother. This is not the prosperity gospel. He's saying, the foxes have holes and the birds have the air. Of the, air the birds of the air have their nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. That's what it looks like to follow me. Then another one says, follow, says, then he said to another one, you come follow me. And he said, Lord, first let me go bury my father. Guys, this one is always really bothered because it seems like such a reasonable request. And yet Jesus says to them, says to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as you go, but as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. I don't, I'm not teaching through this passage, but what he's trying to do is, is show priority. He's trying to say, what is your prior, primary focus? Yet another one said, I will follow you, Lord. Let me first say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus said to him, and I get, guys, get this. This is our Savior saying this. No one who puts his hand to the plow to plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. What he's saying is no one who says Jesus is Lord, like Jesus, you're my savior. I raised my hand. I prayed a prayer. I got dunked in a horse trough. I'm good to go. And yet lives living for the world, constantly, constantly distracted by what the world is doing, living no different than the world is. They're saying that is not a kingdom person. Still not enough for you. Just turn back a, a few verses. Look at verse chapter 9, verse 23. And he said, this is Jesus saying, and he said, if anyone come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. And again, I'm not teaching through what it means to take up your cross. Here's what it means to take up your cross. Die. <laughs> Write that down. That's gold. Take up your cross means die. That's it. You can, don't over-spiritualize it. Don't turn it into the person sitting next to you as my cross to bear. It means, are you willing to, what he, Jesus is saying is, are you willing to die to self? And he says so right after that. For whoever wishes to save his life must lose it, must give it away. And he who wants to gain his life, or I'm sorry, and, and he who wants to lose his life will for my sake gain it. But why? Okay, so, here's the, so that's the truth. Jesus is all about being all in. There are no halvesies with Christ. We live a halvesy life. I do too. But that's not what he wants. So the question begs, the question is why? Right? Why is that? Why should we do it? Well, the ultimate answer is because he is God. Go back to Deuteronomy. Back to Deuteronomy. And, he, and here's what is called the Shema. A good Hebrew like Jesus, when he was growing up, a good Jewish boy would recite the Shema multiple times throughout the day. Why? For religious something? No, because it reminded them of something. You know what it reminded them of? He's God, I'm not. He is not running for God. He is not petitioning for you to believe that he is God. He is, he is God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That's what he says in verse 4, right? You shall love the Lord your God with, there's that word again, not some of your heart and a little bit of your soul and a little smattering of your, of your, of your might. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all of your might. 
That's what the show, that's why we're supposed to be all in. Because he is the one and only God. So here's what we're going to do. And I know we're so behind, but it's okay. This is going to be fun. So in your handout, by the way, it's not my fault we're behind today. I just need to let you know that. It's not anybody's fault. It's the Holy Spirit's moving, but we're behind. So, um, but take a look at, the, in, in your um, bulletin, there was a handout. It looks like this. Yeah, yeah. So, so this is the Shema in Hebrew. Now, it's been about a year since I had to take, since I got to take Hebrew in seminary. So this is going to be a little rough for me too, but we're going to recite this together out loud. So you're going to get a little four-minute or less, hopefully, Hebrew lesson. Are you ready? So if you look right there, so here's what's interesting about Hebrew. All the, all the lines, like the line that looks like a W right there in the top right corner. I wish I had a pointer, but I, mine wasn't working this morning. In the top right corner, those are the consonants of the Hebrew alphabet. All the little jots and tittles, right? That's, isn't that what he calls them? Jot and tittle shall not perish. Those are the vowels that were inserted by the Hebrew scribes after Moses wrote it. Now, I'll tell you why that matters here in just a minute. So that first word there is the word Shema. It means here. So say it. Shema. Shema. We're not going to do one word at a time, just so you know. Shema. Say it again. Shema. That means here. That second word there is Israel. It is, the Hebrew, it is the Hebrew word for Israel. So, Shema Israel. Shema Israel. And then he says this, Adonai Eloheinu. Now, you say, wait a minute. That, 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 if you know anything about Hebrew, what is that word in Hebrew? Yahweh. That is the holy word for, that is where, that is where like on our, on our, depending on your publisher, but most publishers will capitalize that word in English when they transliterate it to English in all caps, Yahweh. What do you notice about that word where it's used here as opposed to the other words? No vowel points. Why? It was such a sacred name that the scribes would not break it apart with vowels. Even though we pronounce vowels, we say, I mean, Yahweh has like an A in it, right, and an E in it, and a Y or something, like I mean, for us. But, but, so, but not only, so not only would they not break it apart with vowel points, they wouldn't say it. They wouldn't say Shema Israel Yahweh Eloheinu. They would say Shema Israel Adonai Eloheinu. Why? Because they wouldn't even say the word Yahweh. So they would say it. So it says, it sounds like this. Shema Israel, Adonai, Eloheinu, Adonai, Echad. So let's say, that, let's say that second line together, starting with the Adonai. Adonai, Eloheinu, Adonai, Echad. Yeah, it's like, it's like, you're, it's like you're probably really good at this. Zach is like, oh, it's, just, it's, it's disgusting. But here, it's, I love you. Um, here, it's, um, that was not in my notes. Stick to your notes. Um, here, it's a kind of guttural sound. So we're going to do the whole thing, right? So, Shema Israel Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Rechad. And then this is, the, this where it gets really tricky. And in the interest of time, we'll just kind of, I'll, I'll tell you. Because guys, if, if young people in the room, and I've, I've prayed about this, and I just feel like I have to do it now. 
if you can come next week and you can recite this in Hebrew without looking at this piece of paper, I'll give you a dollar. Uh, it's my money. My wife's like five. It's our money, hun. The church is not paying for this. So you still want it to be five? All right. If you can recite this whole thing in Hebrew. What did you say about that guy? He prayed for a year and God brought back the whole year's salary. Okay. So if you can recite this in Hebrew without looking at it, I'll give you five dollars. Okay. Mo, you do not count as a young person. Uh, he's like, five bucks? That's a, yeah, anyway. Okay. Uh, no. Nice try, though. Didn't work for my Hebrew professor. Doesn't work for me. Okay, so the second half of this goes, goes it's actually wa, that word. Is, it starts with a V there in the transliteration. Remember, we're reading right to left. Oh, but I forgot to tell you that. Hebrew, you read right to left, right? I forgot to mention that. Oops. It just sort of happened, right? It's actually wa'ahavta. Say wa'ahavta. Wa'ahavta. Wa'ahavta et Adonai Eloheka. So that is, and you shall love the Lord your God. So, so Eloheka is your God because Elohim, it's just a ver- that and up there where it said Eloheinu in the line above it. That's just a, that's the Hebrew, another name for God, Elohim. And they put the endings on there to tell you whether it's your God or our God or what. And so that's, so when he says, Wa'ahavta et Adonai Eloheka, right, that second line. And then he says, Bekol Levavka. So we're going to say, and then it stop, there actually should be a break right there. Just this image that I found that Debbie was nice enough to get copied for me. Um, there should be a break right there after lavavka, which is the second word in from the, from the right um, on, the, on the fourth line down. So, so we're going to say that up to that. So say, wa'ahavta et Adonai Eloheka bechol lavavka. Okay, so it would go, so from the beginning it would go shema. Israel, Adonai, Eloheinu, Adonai, Echad. Wa'avavta et Adonai, Eloheka, Bekol, Levavka. Now, you guys, I'll be honest, you guys are doing better than our Hebrew class did. when our, We had to memorize like, like almost all of what we're teaching today in Hebrew, and we stunk at it really right up until the end. But you guys are doing a great job. Now, here's the last part, and I'm way, over, I'm way over into the time to take on this, but it's worth it. It's just a beautiful picture. So, so I'm just going to read this last part, because you'll get, like, in Hebrew, the po- it's not be- I, I pronounce Hebrew horribly, so um, it isn't beautiful out of this mouth, but I'm sure it is beautiful out of a Jewish person's mouth. It says, uvakol, that next word after levavka, uvakol nefshika, uvakol meodatha. Like it was, it was poetic to them. Uvakal nefsheka, uvakal meodatha. So that is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And then he says, and you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength. So that begs back to the question, why? So look at your second talking points. What are some things that you believe are keeping you from 
or are evidences that you're not living all in for God. So I'm not asking for input here. What, what are things in your life that are evidences of or that you believe are keeping you from being all in? I'm just going to take a minute and be quiet. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would bring to mind what those things would be for me and for uh, my brothers and sisters here and online. And Lord, as we put our hands to the plow that is the call of Christ in our lives, I pray that those things that, that, those things that we just, you just brought to mind are the things we look back at that we would bury them by your strength, Lord. We need your help. Help us to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel by which we've been called. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so the great commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength, leads us right into the great commission. Go and make disciples. Right, That's the two ways Jesus put it. Look at the next verse, verse 6. And the, So this is our second point. So we share his word because we love his world. We share his word because we, word because we love his world. He loved the world. And, the, and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Guys, it has to start with us. The word of God has to penetrate. It has to go from here to here. The training center is amazing, but guys, if all it does is puff, up, puff, up, puff us up intellectually, the word of God is clear about that. Right? We, we, that, is, that we become Pharisees. It, he's saying it needs to be written on your heart. Get this, I've shared this before. The word of God is not, it's not made of bricks to throw at people. Right? It is meant to be bread to feed people. Remember we taught we were just beggars telling other beggars who the bread is. And the, and the more you get to know about the bread, the better. You, the better you are at sharing him. But don't ever lose sight of the fact that you and I are just beggars. So, so, let's keep going. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. And yes, this is a great parenting passage. And yes, it's talking about all the different ways that you can teach. But it's not just teaching your children. There's, it's teach your children and when you walk and talk a lot in the house, and not just with your kids, but with anybody. It's pretty much everywhere all the time. Look at verse 8. And you shall bind them as a sign on your forehead, and, you sh and they shall be as your frontlets between your eyes. And, and if you've ever seen like an orthodox, a hardcore orthodox Jew, they'll have these phylacteries on their forehead, these little boxes that they actually put on their forehead that has God's word on it. They'll have these big tassel things that they have around there. It is completely a not best demonstration of what this verse means. I'll just say, I'll leave it at that. I mean, they're serious about their faith, and I, and I appreciate that. I, I admire that about them. But that is not what God is talking about here. He's saying the word of God needs to be here in your heart. It needs to be in your, the top, top of mind all the time, right? And it needs to be in doing what you're doing. Like, he's saying your life is marked out by the word of God. Why? Because the word of God is where the power is. Look at Isaiah 55. Turn to the right of where we are. Isaiah 55. We're just going to go there quickly. 
Isaiah 55, it will be one of your daily readings this week, so I'm not going to belabor the point. The Holy Spirit will do that with you when you read it this week. But look at Isaiah 55. Isaiah is to the right of the Psalms and the Proverbs. If you get to the big books like Jeremiah and Ezekiel, you've gone too far. Isaiah 55 and verse 1, come everyone who thirsts. This is God speaking. Come to the waters, and he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. He's saying, come and buy it, and you don't even have to pay for it. Why do you spend your money on that which is not bread and your labor for that which is not satisfied? Listen diligently to me, God says. Listen to my word and eat what is good and delight yourself in rich food. Back to what even Brian was talking about. Healthy diet is a requirement of being in shape. Incline your ear to me. Hear that your soul may live. Now go to verse 10 just in the interest of time. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be which goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish all that I purpose and shall succeed in everything and for every reason in which I sent it. Guys, his word is where the power is. It's why when we start Romans... Next week, we're going to start Romans, Lord willing, and we're going to spend a couple weeks talking about the gospel because that's where, Jesus, or that's where Paul starts in Romans. And it's, because, it's that, because his word that goes forth from his mouth that has the power is the gospel. It is the good news that Jesus saves sinners. And we're going to, it's important enough to even in a big book that we're going to spend almost a whole year in, we're going to spend the first couple weeks talking about the power of the gospel. Now look at your last talking points question. Because here's the why. why. So what? Okay, the word is power. But here's the problem. It, and, and, and Paul's going to tell us this in Romans. How will they, like, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. And then he goes on to say in Romans 10, but how will they hear unless the word is preached to them? So the question I'm asking is, how good are you at using scripture as the power-filled tool that it is? What is keeping you from using it more? Are you, committing to get, are you committing to getting trained to teach God's truth, spread the gospel, and grow his kingdom? And, and this is why, guys, I, I, seriously, you need to be in the training center. I don't care if you've been in it before. This will be my fifth time through this material, not including the extendedly deep dive that I've done in seminary by the grace of God. And every single time I go through it, I am in, I'm not only just encouraged, I grow. I grow in my picture of who God is, which allows me to share him more powerfully. But, but even more than, because like back to Brian's point about, man, our first ministry has to be to our wife and kids. Here, here's, here's what I will tell you. This, guys, and, and I, I don't know what you think I am now. I know there's just sort of this thing about exalting your pastor, and, and I'm just a dude with the Holy Spirit in me, just like you if you're saved. But I, I want you to think back. I'm less of a Christian dude 15 years ago than I am now. I mean, hopefully, right? My daughters were at that point were, what, eight, six, and four. Every Monday morning for two years, I would get up at, I would get up and leave at three. I would leave my house at four. I would drive all the way out to Gilbert to what was then called East Valley Bible to go to the training center. For two years, 5 a.m. to 7. Then I'd fight my tra- fight traffic back. No traffic at five, four in the morning. Go figure. I would fight traffic back to my job. I would work on my flashcards. I would do all the stuff. I would, I, I, and, and with a young family and ministry and everything else going on, 
and we got to the end of this little uh, this the training center, and the guy that taught it, Chris Mueller, the pastor that had come from Master Seminary, who had taught it, and he we were having this little get together afterwards, and he was talking to my wife, and he looked, and I and I was talking to somebody else, but I could hear him talking, and he said he looked at her, and he said, "So, Carrie, was it worth it?" And she said, "Yeah." Well, first she said, "What? What was what worth it?" And he said, "Losing your husband for a couple of years." He was just joking about the amount of work, and we've toned it down from that a little bit. And she said, yes. And he said, can I ask why? And she said, because I used to go to other people to ask my questions about God's word, and now I can go to my husband. Guys, I'd been walking with the Lord for a while. I'd been getting discipled by a very godly man for seven or eight years. It wasn't that I wasn't a man of God's word. I'd been journaling for, well, four or five years without missing a day at that point. I'm telling you, there was something about that commitment to get trained that, cha- that changed my, the direction of my family. I stand here today because of that. Honestly, I mean, there's lots of other things God has used, but that is a massive part of it, as Brian testified to. Guys, if we, the leaders that you're going to see come up here, so many of them will be up here because this, this information is what has equipped them to lead. So get involved in the training center. That's not just commercial. I, I, I wouldn't take the time on a busy Sunday anyway unless I believed with everything in my heart that everyone in this room should be doing this. If we're going to get serious about doubling down to train people in the truth of God's word, it has to start with you. It does. If not you, who? If not now, when? What else does God have to do in our lives to wake us up? I mean, if the last two years has not woken you up to the desperate need for the power of God and the power of his word in this world, nothing will. And that terrifies me for you. On that happy note, let's look at our, let's go back to Deuteronomy and land this plane. So we gather, so our last point, so one, We are all in for God. We share his word because we love his world, because he loves the world. And the last thing is we gather to be reminded. And this this point does go fast, hopefully. It says in verse 10, And when the Lord your God brings you into a land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and Jacob, to give you with great and good cities that you did not build, and houses full of all good things that you did not fill, and cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant, and when you eat and are full. So here's what he's saying. When your nation has become really strong and wealthy, and you don't think you need me anymore, you're all getting where I'm going, right? Here's what's going to happen to you. You're going to forget me. He says, take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, who brought you out of slavery. That's his way of who. Take heed that you don't forget the one who set you free. Because that's why we gather. We gather to, that's why I get the, the, the point here, that we gather to remember. Because the world wants us to forget this. That there's a whole nother kingdom Beyond the kingdom of the United States of America, beyond the kingdom of a one world government, beyond the kingdom of whatever else you think is going on in our, in our world right now, and it is the kingdom of God, and his people are working on that kingdom. 
And so he is saying, when you get comfortable, you will forget. It's just the way it is. If you're reading through the Bible in a year, and this, and like, like I'm doing, if you're joining me in that one-year Bible, or, you're reading through, or if you've read through the Bible ever before in your life, here's what you know about God's people. We are a forgetful people. They were, we are, we are. We leak. We just leak. We come in here, we get filled, and then, we, and then it leaks out of us, and by sometimes, depending on the day or by the week, by Monday, we have forgotten all about God and his kingdom. On a good week, we might make it to Thursday. Right? We need to gather to be reminded of kingdom purpose. And so with that, the music team's gonna come up, and they're gonna lead us in a song of response. We're not gonna do communion like we normally would do, um, at this point, we're going to instead um, go into our time of installing our leaders because that is a great time to respond to the goodness of God. Um, but I want, I'm going to just read, I want, I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. I'm just going to read you a little part of Hebrews. The music team's going to lead us in a song of response, and then we'll do our leadership installation um, and, um, and just see what, where the Spirit takes it from there. So if I could find Hebrews, because I can't do that and talk at the same time, apparently. So this is the word of the Lord out of Hebrews 10, 19. It says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, so since we have confidence by the blood, a new living way, by his flesh, since we have a great priest, let us draw near with a true heart and in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Guys, this is not a message about living better, more morally for Christ. Do not hear that. This is not about behavior. Do not walk out of here thinking you're just going to do better for Christ this week. It will not last. What the writer of Hebrews is telling us is he, because he has done the work, let that motivate us to draw near. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And because he is who he is and, he does, and he's done what he's done, we can be completely confident. Because whatever it is, whatever it is the enemy has kept you in bondage in that is stopping you from feeling like you're able to live victoriously in Christ, he crucified it. And then he says this, and let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good deeds not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as we see the day drawing near. His day. That's the day he's coming back, capital D. It's a big day. It's a big day and it's coming soon. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for that truth. I thank you for the truth that your day is drawing near. I thank you for your truth that you have won the victory at the cross that there is nothing left for us to do. The call to fulfill the mission that you've invited us into is not we need to go do. 
It's you did. And because you did, we get to walk with you on that mission. Lord, help us to be a people that function that way. That in that moment where we, where we feel inadequate for the moment or we feel beat down or discouraged or the enemy is whispering some past sin in our life or whatever it is, let us claim the victory that is already ours. Anything short of that is to say that you died for nothing. And I refuse that lie. I will not receive that. We will not be a people that will receive that lie. We will live consistent with who the call of Christ has created us to be. For the fame and the glory of his name. So that when his day comes and he returns. And we see him as he really is. And we will be like him. We will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. In Jesus' name.